Thanks for listening to the Sunday Teaching Podcast from Salt and Light, a community based in Fort Worth, Texas, making disciples of Jesus together by seeking His kingdom in everyday life. Find out more at saltandlightfw.com. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to love him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid." And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Well, man, if nothing else, I just want to take a moment to cast vision for the church that we hope to be. I... Like sitting here and listening and paying attention to the needs of the people in this room. I'm just thinking, I hope and pray and we desire for this to be a community that we can walk alongside each other well in our suffering and in our sorrows and in our joys. That we can be present not just here in this moment right now, but throughout the week. That we would be a community of people that can be counted on. And we know that we're human, and we are going to inevitably disappoint one another at some point, but we also are people who can walk alongside to show love, to bear burdens and grief, to offer companionship and friendship, to offer a meal, to be uh, prayerful and encouraging. And so if nothing else, I hope that that moment of being able to pray and listen to one another propels us and inspires us to just continue to be the people that we that God wants us to be for one another and that we can be. So, yeah, just want to keep that in mind of who we desire to be here at Salt and Light. Okay, so we are in a series right now considering how Jesus is good news to us today, how he's good news to us in our everyday lives, not just in our future life. And we've been doing that by looking at different ways that Jesus interacts with different people in the Gospel of John. And back in the summer, or even before the summer, when we were trying to think through, like, what are fall teachings, what we wanted to go through, we just kept coming back to this idea of what good is Jesus today? What difference does he actually make? And that feels strong to say, but I think it's a really 
a valid and important question for us to consider. Because when I think of people who do not yet know the Lord, people that I really desire for them to know the Lord, a lot of them are really just indifferent to God, you know, to indifferent to just knowing, don't really care. And so I have to consider, why is Jesus good news to them today? The temptation is to think that Jesus is good news for our future, but he really doesn't make much difference to us today. And for a society that is largely motivated by instant gratification, this is really hard for us to understand, right? So if we don't understand how he is good news to us today, it's really hard for people to care. And so the problem, though, is that's really a limited and incomplete view of our salvation. It's like thinking of God as a retirement plan. One day, this is really going to pay off well for me, right? It's really going to come in handy, but it doesn't impact my day-to-day living. And that's kind of how many of us have been kind of raised to think about our faith, is that this is something that is one day going to come in handy. But does it actually come in handy today? And that is not the kind of faith that I want for us. That's not the kind of faith that Jesus wants in us. That's not the kind of king that we are invited to worship, That's not a picture of the abundant life at all. I need help today, right? I want to experience joy and peace today. I want to feel loved and seen and known today. And Jesus actually does offer that for us. And so that's kind of why we've been really just pressing into this idea of what does it mean? How is he good news to us today? Because we do believe that that is true. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at a couple of chapters in John, looking at John 14 through 16, kind of bouncing around in it. Um, I would encourage you, though, these chapters are so rich. And uh, so take these chapters this week and meditate on them. Read them throughout your week and see what else God is showing you in them. But what is happening in this conversation, starting in John 14, is it's this conversation that he's having with his disciples. And it's just before he goes to the cross. It's the night before his death, and what he's doing is he's preparing his disciples for the days to come. He's also preparing them, though, for the long term without him. And so the disciples here, they're asking these questions that you see throughout these chapters. They're asking things like, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Or they're saying, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough. Uh, Jesus, why do you intend to show yourself to us, but not to the world? So they're asking him all these questions. And what I think is happening is I think we find ourselves in these questions too. How can I serve a God that I cannot see when I'm in the midst of the pain that I do actually see? How do I follow a God uh, when this feels really confusing and weird? How do I trust him with my sorrow and my grief? Where can I get some help around here? How do we do this, Jesus? We're asking these same similar questions. And what Jesus does is in these chapters, he addresses these thoughts and he offers comfort, but not in this, let me just tuck you in on the couch and scratch your back kind of comfort that we offer, right? What he's doing here is he's offering them courage and conviction and power and strength. And he's doing that through the work of the Holy Spirit. He's preparing them for what's to come. And so what I want to do is kind of zoom in on a few different verses through these chapters. And I want to start with looking at uh, in chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. I think that'll be up there. Okay, great. So Jesus says here uh, to the disciples, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. 
The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. There's so much to notice here in just these little verse, these few verses right here. Jesus says he is sending another advocate to help, the spirit of truth, who says that he lives with you and will be in you. He is sending an advocate. Okay, so before we get even into what that means, let's first talk about what is an advocate? What does he even mean by this term? So to get an image of what Jesus means, let's talk about that. Advocate, it's this legal term. Uh, meaning called to one's aid in a court of justice. It is someone who gets to speak on your behalf, in your defense, someone who tells you when to speak and when not to speak. An advocate is someone who walks alongside you. This word in different Bible translations, it's translated differently because it's hard to grasp the fullness of what Jesus is saying here. Other Bibles, or your, your Bible might use the word comforter or helper or counselor or friend, but all of those are meant to encapsulate this word advocate. And we've all seen different movies, right, that we can imagine this lawyer defending a client some of us in this room actually are the lawyer in real life where you get to speak on behalf of your client in defense of them, plead their case to the judge. If you're a parent, you have likely had to advocate for your child at some point. You've had to meet with teachers to get them the support that they need, or you've had to meet with doctors to get them the care that they need. You've had to kind of raise the flag and seek out that help that you know that they need. You've had to Use your voice to stand up for them, maybe in a bullying situation, because you are the one who has the authority and the voice that can help your child. This past week, I was in a large group situation where a person called me out in a really unfair way. And because of this setting, and because I wasn't the one in charge at that moment, I was truly just a participant in this large group, it really was not my place to respond uh, but rather, what I really had to do was just sit there and receive the criticism. That is not easy for me, by the way. That is not my default setting. <laughs> but so I sat there and received it. And then something happened that I did not expect. My friend, who was in charge in that moment, she stood up for me. She pushed back and she defended me. And she did it in this really bold but really gentle way, this really loving way. And it was like whiplash for me in that moment, honestly, um, because I hadn't expected the criticism. It kind of came out of nowhere. But then I also did not expect someone else to stand up and defend me. And the wild thing is for me, when I reflected back on this moment throughout the day, the rest of the day and the days to come, the thing that I kept going back to was not about how embarrassed I felt in that moment, but how loved I felt in that moment. Because she advocated for me in a way that moved me to such intense gratitude that made me feel deeply loved and valued as her friend. I did not focus or fixate on the words that were said first. I was just so blown away that someone else entered in on my behalf. But as meaningful as that was for me, as helpful as those examples of the lawyer and being a parent are, they're limited in our understanding of what Jesus is talking about here. What he is talking about when he uses this word advocate is so much more powerful, so much more loving, so much more kind and helpful than we can imagine. 
So in these verses, though, he tells them, he says, I'm sending you another advocate. And when he's saying another advocate, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. But he says another because Jesus here, he is our first advocate. So if Jesus is our advocate and the Holy Spirit is also our advocate, what work do they, roll, uh, do, they do together in this role? So let's start first by thinking about, we've got this picture of an advocate, and let's first now consider, like, what does it mean that Jesus is our first advocate? So there's just one other place where this Greek word for advocate is used in Scripture, and it's in 1 John chapter 2, and I think we have a slide for that with that verse on it. Maybe. There we go. Okay. So in 1 John, he says, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So here it says right here, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So as our advocate or counselor, Jesus does represent us as our defense attorney and counselor of the law before the Father. Having an advocate here implies that there is a law, there is a standard of righteousness in this universe that our lives are judged against. And that is not a really comfortable thought, right? We don't love that idea. We don't like the idea of being judged. We feel much more comfortable with finding our own truth, right? Doing what feels right. Prizing ourselves as being, we're so open-minded, right? But ultimately, defining justice on our terms. The problem with this, though, becomes evident when we are wronged by someone else. We quickly go from being comfortable with this idea that everyone just finds your own truth to being people who appeal to a certain standard of what is right or wrong. And where does this standard come from? If all of life was simply guided by these evolutionary principles, right, that say the strongest survive and they're the ones that thrive, then why is there any problem with stealing from someone else or abusing a weaker party because you are the stronger one? Why should there be any regard for life outside of our own? Yet we can all agree, cultures around the world agree, that there are things that are just wrong. And that part of being human means that we will feel guilt and we will feel shame if we do those things. And that's because there is this universal law and standard for what is good and righteous. And the Bible says that God is the one who has determined that law. And for those of us who aren't able to meet those requirements of it, referred to as sin, the consequence of sin is death. The law is governed by God without exception, uh, without winking or letting something slide or overlooking something, because the Father is perfect and just. So to be anything other than this would require him to accept that sin and suffering and death just have to be a part of his good creation. And we've all seen law and order shows, right, where someone is brought in for questioning related to a crime. And there's always this part where the person's like, do I need to hire an attorney? You know, is this, is this the part where I need to get a lawyer? Well, you and I are at that point. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we've all sinned. Romans 2 tells us our guilty conscience bears witness to that fact. We too need a defense. 
So we need a counselor who understands the law and a representative who can argue our case on our behalf, an advocate for us. But the way that many of us have read this passage and others is that since the Father loves Jesus, and Jesus has this like really tight relationship with the Father, he can go to him and say, you know what, Nicole really messed up again. She sinned, she broke your law, let's just give her another chance. Let's give her another chance, let's give her another chance. I remember my parents, I, uh, they actually kept this for me to like spite me as, when I became a parent. I, when I was a child, I uh, would, uh, uh, believe it or not, I argued often with my parents. Um, and uh, at one point I told them, you know what, when I'm a mom, I'm gonna give my children four chances before they get in trouble. And, uh, and they said, okay. And they wrote that down. Uh, and they've like since been able to show me, you said <laughs> that you would give your children four chances. Uh, and, uh, you know, anyway, it's this idea that like, we think that Jesus has to keep going to the father over and over and say, give her another chance, give her another chance, give her another chance. Um, and the father is saying, okay, I'm only going to give her another chance, but only because you've asked. And I'm going to keep doing this. And at some point, we begin to think, is Jesus going to get tired of asking on our behalf? Is God going to get tired of forgiving us on our behalf? And that's just not the case. That's not the way it works. The good news is that Jesus has an airtight case on our behalf. And here's what it is. Jesus doesn't just represent us before the law. He fulfills the requirements of the law on our behalf. That's how far he goes as our advocate. And continue on 1 John, the same passage, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Because Jesus has paid the price for our sin by literally dying for us, it is actually the just and right thing to forgive us of our sins. The debt has been paid. He has freed us from the penalty of the law once and for all. And it's once and for all because it is unjust to require payment for a debt that has already been paid. Our case for freedom and forgiveness, it is airtight. Have confidence. We don't need to wonder if we have done enough because that's not what matters. What matters is that Jesus has paid it all. That is why it is such good news that he is our advocate. So he says that he is the first advocate, but then he talks about it to the disciples. He says he's sending another advocate. So why does he talk about the Holy Spirit here? Why does Jesus tell us that he is sending another advocate? So let's talk about what the second advocate means for us. The second advocate is the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity. This is who Jesus is sending, who Jesus is referring to later when he says that it is better for me to go so that the Spirit may come. He doesn't replace Jesus. This word another, what, what it's referring to in this is that it means just like the first one. I'm going to send you someone just like me, a different helper, but the same. I am sending you myself is what he's talking about here. And I know we think, we always think, I always think about this, you know, man, if only I could have just lived with Jesus, right? If only I could have actually been one of those disciples wandering around, actually sitting with him as he's teaching and healing. 
if only I could have been part of that team, you know, then maybe this would all make more sense. Maybe I would love him more. Maybe I would get it better. But what Jesus is saying here is that it is actually better for me to leave because when I do, you receive this second advocate, the Holy Spirit. And it will be even better. And how can that be? Better than Jesus in the flesh? Yes, better than Jesus in the flesh. And that seems so hard to believe now, but it was also hard for the disciples to believe in that moment. But we know it to be true. Well, Jesus' disciples had been living with, working alongside Jesus for three years. They're training with him in the flesh. It was nearly complete. And they still don't see Jesus for who he truly is. They still don't quite get it. They need this second advocate to teach them and reveal more fully Jesus to them. Has anyone in here ever taught someone how to ride a bike? Right? It is, uh, it's not as simple as you think, right? What's the best way to do it, though? You got to let them go. You have to just, like, trust that this is going to be okay. You have to let them go. You run alongside them for a bit, and then you have to let go of their bike. And then they can actually take off, you know? And I remember, like, when we were teaching our kids, and they're like, don't let go, don't let go. And you have to tell them, trust me, it's going to be better when I let go. You will get this. I have to let go, though. And then they take off. And this is how I imagine it with Jesus and the disciples in this moment. I know you don't believe me, but it's actually going to be better for you. And if you're a believer in Christ, then the Holy Spirit has been given to you. He lives with you. He lives in you. And he is the spirit of truth. Look at verses 25 through 27 in John, in chapter 14. I don't know if it's up there. Hmm. Okay, so he says here, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. And then in chapter 16, we have this up here as well. He goes on to talk about being the spirit of truth. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So what this second advocate does is he is with us, he is in us, and he is the spirit of truth. As our second advocate, the Holy Spirit reveals truth and empowers us. We cannot truly see Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Not even the disciples here walking with Jesus, living with him, eating with him, hanging out, working together. They didn't see Jesus truly yet. They were with him, and they didn't fully grasp it until the Holy Spirit was with them. And he's in you. Just as Jesus is our advocate before the Father, so the Holy Spirit stands by us when we become overwhelmed by our own sinfulness. He reminds us, Jesus has made you clean. You are justified. You are not guilty anymore. You are clothed in Christ's righteousness. The Father does not look upon you and see your sin. He looks upon you and he sees his Son. 
He reminds us of the case that Jesus has made to the Father on our behalf. And by doing so, the Spirit gives us peace. And as our advocate, he is our spirit of truth, the one who is truthful. I love this. Think of all of the lies that we receive and juggle and believe every day. What lies do you believe about yourself or your identity? What do you believe about the world? It is the job of the Holy Spirit to say that is a lie. Drop that one. Do not believe that. Do not listen to that lie. Look at me. Listen to me. That is the voice of the Spirit. How many times do we actually take up the Holy Spirit on that offer to lay down those lies? I've gotten into this habit of praying over my children that the Holy Spirit, every night I pray that the Holy Spirit would release the lies that they have encountered during the day. And that the Holy Spirit would fill them with the truth that they are loved, that they are seen, that they are forgiven, that they are made in the image of God. Make that a habit of your own. Daily ask the Spirit of truth to fill you up with the truth and release the lies from you. And continuing this conversation in chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus says, He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus by revealing who he is and what he has done, by bringing people to faith, by maturing us in our faith, and by making us more like him. The Spirit reminds believers who Jesus is, what he did, and what he's doing right now for you and for me, and what he will do when he returns. So as the second advocate, the Holy Spirit reveals the truth about Jesus, and he exposes the lies of the world. So Jesus is our first advocate, and the Holy Spirit is our second, but then this really beautiful thing happens. Because of the Spirit within us, we are then empowered to advocate for others. The Holy Spirit empowers us for service. We have to keep that in mind that this is not just a force. This is God himself. We are empowered by God. The Holy Spirit wants to walk with you, to partner with you, and he empowers us, but it is through a relationship with him. What does that look like for you? What does it look like for you to be empowered by the Spirit? How might you respond in your daily life? If you believe that to be true, how do you live that out? The Holy Spirit empowers us to do things that we cannot do in the flesh, to stand up for justice, to fight for the oppressed, to love the people in our path, to pursue the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we have access to the power of God himself. So when I believe that the Holy Spirit empowers, I can respond in love to others. I can trust the Spirit to replenish me when I feel depleted or weak or overworked or inadequate. Because apart from the Holy Spirit's power, we labor in vain. We cannot do God's work in our power alone. And there is so much that I am tempted to do on my own. I am tempted to love on my own, to parent on my own, to lead on my own, to be patient on my own, to practice self-control on my own. And when I try to do any of those things, I labor in vain. And I miss the opportunity to partner with the Spirit. 
the spirit who is within me, to provide what I cannot. It is so easy to live into our flesh, and it's also really exhausting. I want us, in this room, I want us to be people who lean into the power of the Holy Spirit, who respond to others in love because we are indwelled and we believe that we are indwelled by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who guides us, who grounds us in God's truth, who stands alongside us through every moment, who enables us to experience the peace of God in every situation and guarantees our eternal life. Because of him, we are never alone. We are never alone. And we have the power to live as God's loving, obedient children. You and I never have to feel abandoned or helpless in this life because we have been given the Spirit as our advocate, another advocate who is with us, who is within us, and who guides us in truth. And so what I want us to do right now is I want to invite us to take communion and to be thinking about that, that we have an advocate who is with us and within us and guides us. So right now, I want to invite everyone, whether at your tables or if you need to come up to the front and grab the bread and the wine and come back to your seat. We can take communion together. Communion reminds us of our first advocate. This is a meal that Jesus gave his disciples to demonstrate that his body would be broken and his blood would be shed. And it would free us from our sin and he would be our perfect advocate. But in doing that, we are not left alone that we get to receive another advocate, the empowering Holy Spirit. So his death that we remember right now, it also brings life to those who trust and believe. So with gratitude, take and eat right now. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for just the reminder that you are our advocate and you have given us another advocate. Lord, we thank you for the truth that the Holy Spirit guides us with, that we are loved, we are seen, we are forgiven, and we are because of what you've done for us once and for all. Lord, help us to remember that as we go about our week. It's in your name I pray. Amen.